0: you're listening to living free your podcast for a life full of freedom and magic i'm your host tanya hirsch and i hope that every time you listen you feel a little bit more inspired to follow your intuition and to create a life beyond your wildest dreams Welcome back to the Living Free Podcast. I'm so grateful you're listening and today you can expect a really inspiring interview with my friend Josh Munoz. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> and we talk about why the leap of faith might be the most important step of your journey. And Josh is a really inspiring person. I met him here in Morea and he lives in Hawaii in on his sailing boat and he's a underwater photographer and a freedive instructor and he shares his story how he ended up living this life full of freedom and magic and we dive into all the things what the ocean has taught him because he's very connected to the ocean and why he's so passionate about freediving and underwater photography and He shares his very personal story of being diagnosed with cancer by the age of 12 and losing a friend and how all these things impacted him because he was so young when all of this happened. And we talk about health and why it's our biggest blessing and we should never take it for granted. And yeah, I hope this interview inspires you to take the leap of faith however that may look for you right now maybe it's a big step maybe it's a small step but to not allow that your fear is holding you back and to really take the next move and that you can create the life of your wildest dreams and Josh is really a living example of that everything is possible in this life if you take action and you find the courage to take the leap of faith so without further ado, I welcome Josh Minos to the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Josh. I'm so grateful to have you here.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's very inspiring, <laughs> like we just talked about, but running a podcast is it's very inspiring.
0: Yeah. So, so the first question I would love to ask you is what does living free mean to you?
1: This is the one that you didn't give me the the question to before we started. (laughs) Um, What does living free mean to me? I think sometimes living free would mean like not thinking too much about the future
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and maybe what might hold you back. (laughs) Um, Like starting a podcast, for Mm -hmm. instance, Uh, might be scary to start, but if you... Yeah, if you don't think about, like, future things or, like, think of, like, the roadblocks that might get in the way, then, like, what would stop you from just, like, starting tomorrow or today? Um, I think living free, I mean, like, almost as cliche as it sounds, but it's like, oh, uh, okay, this sounds really cliche, but almost (laughs) like that, the YOLO lifestyle, you only live (laughs) once or something, but, like, truly, like, if you break that apart, um, Just, like, living your life without, I think, judgment to, or, like, um, being scared of what other people think Mm. is, like, what probably living free for me would be.
0: Beautiful answer. And I think that's what it is, right? We feel most free if we are being present Mm. in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just said, many people can resonate with that, that we always are so much in our heads that we don't take action. And we don't freely express ourselves because we want to be 100% sure, want to feel ready. But we have to put ourselves out there to get started. And what helps with that is if you learn to trust yourself by looking back on what you've already accomplished. Mm. You know, like you already did a podcast and you've been (laughs) great at it. And to see, oh wow, I've been good at so many things and I already accomplished so many things. So... I learned to trust myself to do it again and again. Hmm. So for those of my listeners who don't know you, can you tell a little bit about your personal life's journey? How did you end up living this life, which we will (laughs) dive into, which is really amazing.
1: (laughs) Hopefully I don't answer this too long. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my name is Josh Munoz. Uh, Born and raised in Arizona. Um, I was homeschooled up until high school so i think that helped my parents were very smart um set me up for a good career path <laughs> uh went to college stayed in college for arizona um but my senior year just after senior year i made the move to hawaii uh, so now i live in oahu uh in, yeah in honolulu um i started working on the water and very much became so passionate about the ocean and working in the water and just working with wildlife and picked up underwater photography. Um, I now live on a sailboat. I've lived on my sailboat for the last three years. Um, I love sailing. I've crossed a couple oceans before doing some really cool things. Um, sailing to San Francisco and sailing to Tahiti last last year. Um, and now I teach freediving. Um, I'm an underwater photographer. And a boat captain in Hawaii. Mm
0: -hmm. So that's
1: a very quick, (laughs) that was a very fast introduction.
0: That's so amazing. And I think you show people just by living this life and by being you what's possible. You know, Mm. so many people feel stuck in their lives and feel like they have to devote themselves to the life they chose at one point. But we can always choose different. And you're only, how old are you? 27, 20? 27. Yeah, Yeah. 27. And you (laughs) live on a sailboat and... (laughs) you share your passion how amazing is that that's really a big inspiration
1: a lot of those things too i never had like planned mm. i never had like in my five-year plan like oh yeah i'll be in hawaii and i'll i'll be a sailor and i'll live on a sailboat and i'm gonna pick up underwater photography um that was those were never things that were in my five-year plan and i think like kind of where you had started to of like oh living free uh The biggest change that I made in my life that I definitely saw a lot of growth for me personally was when I, I think, decided to live that free lifestyle of I was so scared to buy a one-way ticket and sell everything I owned and move to Hawaii, but, you know, hindsight looking back, it's been just the best thing that I've done, and I've only been in Hawaii for five years now, Um, but I love it. And I'm so glad that I did make that change, and definitely buying that ticket, I think, is, like the hardest step in all of it and actually committing
0: oh a hundred percent
1: it's the hardest step but then the the money and the job and the friends and the place to live all those things like absolutely will fall into place once you make that step
0: so when you go back five years the day you arrived in hawaii (laughs) did you have a plan or did you just follow your how what made you go there in the first place
1: Um, so growing up in Arizona, it's always nice to get out of Arizona for the summertime. So I worked at different summer camps throughout my life growing up, either as a camper or as like a worker. Um, and so anyways, kind of long story short, I heard of camps in Hawaii. So I was like, oh, this would be super cool. There's a camp in Hawaii, like who wouldn't want to work in Hawaii (laughs) for the summer? So I moved to Hawaii the summer before I moved there full-time. Or sorry, I worked in Hawaii the summer before I moved there full-time. Um, and so when I went back home and I was working full time in an office, all I could think of was Hawaii and how much <laughs> I missed living 20 <laughs> steps from the beach and never wearing shoes Aww. and never wearing a shirt. Um, so I did give myself a little bit of time to figure out some things moving, uh, or like some things before I did my move to Hawaii. So I was super fortunate that I did meet someone in Arizona who helped me get a job interview, the day that I landed though. So I, I flew into Hawaii and I had a friend pick me up from the airport. So he took my bags and he (laughs) dropped me off at a moped store where I bought a moped. Um, and I remember asking the guy that worked at the moped shop and I'm still good friends with this guy, which is really cool. But I asked Fedor and I was like, bro, like is Hawaii really as difficult to live in as everyone says. And he said, if you live like a tourist, you'll stay as long as a tourist. And I like kind of took that to heart of like, okay, yeah, that like, don't go, you know, party down in Waikiki every night and don't go shopping and spending your all your money on all these things like Hawaii has so much to offer that's free or cheaper Um, so he told me that Um, I remember so I bought my moped and right after that I drove uh, just kind of down the road and had an interview and had and landed my first job I think I even drove to another store um i drove to a hollister because i worked at hollister for a while in arizona and i applied there also just as like a backup job in mm-hmm. case if the first job didn't work out
0: but it worked out
1: yeah the first job worked mm-hmm. out and it was working um on a tour boat as a photographer with dolphins out on the west coast oh, wow. of oahu
0: and that's where you fell in love
1: and that is where yeah the underwater career really mm-hmm. got started i was never a freediver um i didn't i didn't even think i knew freediving was a sport. I just thought you were either snorkeling or scuba diving. And so absolutely I fell in love with free diving and just fell more in love with wildlife, um, working with dolphins every morning. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, even seeing like the joy that they brought people, you know, we'd have tourists save their whole lives or something, come out to swim with dolphins and it like changed their (laughs) life. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like I think that this also kind of changed my life. Just Mm. being able to be in the water every day.
0: Did, what did it change for you to work with dolphins, or to be around dolphins and the ocean so much at that time?
1: I think it was just seeing the potential for other jobs in life even. Mm-hmm. Because before that, I was working almost for a year as a graphic designer in an office. That was just a very boring office. I didn't have windows, mm-hmm. um, oh my, my office was locked. <laughs> So, like, I was the only one that had the key to my office because we had such expensive camera gear and printing gear. So no one could stop by and just say, oh, hey, Josh, like, how's it going? How was your weekend? Like, no one talked. And um, no offense to my boss if he ever hears this, but um, I just saw him as just a boring person. And I felt like if I had stayed in that office, that's who I was going to become. So I think, like, you know, having this job outside uh that really changed a perspective for me Mm. just to see that oh man there are different career paths that people can take and you don't have to do the you know we would call it the american dream Um, you get a perfect like a nine to five job (laughs) and you marry the perfect girl and you have a white picket fence and this perfect house because that's how a lot of people think
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) how did your dream change when you moved to hawaii what's your dream at this moment
1: right now what's my dream
0: do you want to continue this life like it is now and see where it's unfolding or do you have a vision where you see yourself in a few years
1: okay i guess the way so and i guess the way that i would answer this question is i used to always have a five-year plan and i kind of talked about that before Mm -hmm. and for sure my five-year plan was to marry the girl and to get the white picket fence house and to have the perfect job um and like i said even before we started hawaii was never on my plan. Hawaii was never in that five-year plan because I just never thought that it was possible so I guess I just I always wanted to try to move away from okay I don't want to make this like five-year plan and I have to do these things but I really looked at like okay what's my five-year like yeah like what are my goals or like what are my what are the things that I'm working towards um I think for me just as an underwater photographer I don't even know what the goal is because I don't think I know what the potential is but I want to just keep pursuing underwater photography and seeing where that can take me. Um, and I feel, you know, more successful every year. Um, I got, I can work here in Tahiti. Um, I work in Morea during the whale season. Um, one of the best jobs I might ever have in my life of Mm. being able to go out and swim with um, humpback whales every day and photographing them with clients and with friends. Um, yeah. What are the other goals? I I felt, I guess, really accomplished more recently because I had other goals. Um, there was some goals in athletics and free diving and running that I had accomplished. I had, um, a big goal of getting my captain's license and I did that recently. So oh. I, I think there's times right now that I'm like kind of going back to my goal list to see what I should be pursuing. Um, but I think for right now it's trying to see where underwater photography could take me.
0: So oh, beautiful. And I think it's so important to to appreciate where we already are because mm. we're so good at rushing at the next thing, but really to see how far you've come already and how much you've grown mm. so important. So it sounds very beautiful. So you go into the water basically every single day, right? You live on a sailboat in Hawaii and now these three months you've spent your time in Moria going diving with the humpback whales, which was a really magical experience. I joined you one day and was, oh my god, just uh, being close to them. I can't find the words for it. It was so <laughs> magical. Their, their energy was kind of majestic and calm and peaceful mm. at the same time. Mm. Did you learn something from being around the whales every single day for such a long time? Did they show you something or can you feel something changed?
1: hmm that's a good question (laughs) Mm. i think the big change that i had and i think maybe i discovered it just recently because working with tourists and working with friends and even having like you out i always have this really high sense of like pressure of like oh my gosh like these these people they paid all this money they (laughs) want to see whales and all they want to do is have this epic interaction and you know, maybe they saw my photos, and I have like some amazing picture, and they want that. But you know, that's not always the case. Yeah. So I think, like, I don't know, not to say, oh, they, the whales taught me patience and all these things, but I think I've just found more of a sense of like beauty with wildlife because mm-hmm. I think it's a blessing and an honor like, every time that they make themselves present to us. Yeah. Um, and anytime, because if they wanted to, they could always swim away. They're so much faster than us. Um, So I think I just had to learn to like kind of take a step back and not feel so much pressure or like anxiety almost, um, and just, and you need to tell that to the clients right away and, you know, tell you, Hey, like if there's wild animals that we're working with. So I, I definitely think that I've learned more a sense of patience and mm. almost, I guess like calming <laughs> to just be calm and let the wildlife interact how the wildlife wants to interact. Mm. And sorry, yeah. we're turning this into a free dive underwater <laughs> podcast now.
0: No, we're going to dive deeper. Still. <laughs> oh, yes, <okay. laughs> we're still on the surface with the yeah, waves. <laughs> okay. So let's dive one step deeper from the waves that are mostly on the surface, right? To the free diving part. Mm. Because, I don't have much experience with it, I just do breath work, and I think it's really close connected, because you have to be aware of your breath and you have to be super present to be able to do it. Can you talk a little bit about the freediving part? What um, made you fall in love with it, why you're so passionate about it, and what maybe has changed for you also?
1: Yeah, um, like I said earlier, I never knew freediving was a sport. (laughs) Um, I thought you were snorkeling or you were scuba diving. Um, I think what first attracted me to it was just to see like coworkers diving so deep in the ocean. And I just, I never thought it was possible that I could dive down to 50 feet and grab the sand from, you know, those depths. I kind of always thought that that was like impossible or something. Um, growing up in Arizona, I did a lot of rock climbing and I felt like in rock climbing, you really need to be in tune with your breathing and with your mind, because once you start to have distractions, then you, you're not focusing on the rock and where your, how your feet is, how your foot is placed or exactly how much you're like pinching small holds and like rock climbing is very physical and very like mental. And so when I moved to Hawaii, I missed that a lot. I, I, there's not as good rock climbing in Hawaii. So free diving, I think was that outlet for me because free diving, you absolutely need to be in tune with your body and your breath. Um, you have to really, like, be able to calm your mind because once you start to freak out underwater, then you're just going to be burning through your oxygen faster or something. Your CO2 starts to build even quicker, and you just get so nervous and scared, and that's not what you want to have happen if you're diving really, really deep. Um, so, yeah, I saw freediving I think, as just, like, that physical outlet for me because rock climbing used to be that, and then it turned into free mm. diving where I don't do as much yoga as I should. Um, <laughs> but... Freediving is that time that I can be just fully like quiet and relaxed and I don't think about emails and phone calls that I need to take care of later. I can be fully present in this moment of diving. Um, And yeah, recently I became a freedive instructor, which I've loved a lot. I love talking about diving. (laughs) Um, I'm sure sometimes during my classes, my students need to take a break to go to the bathroom and I'm just keep like rambling on (laughs) about the freediving, but... Um, I do love it. And I think it's something that's like healthy for people, even if you don't want to be competitive, like I'm kind of taking it more into a competitive side now of free diving. Um, but just teaching the science and telling people and like showing them like just with your face, touching the water, you have certain receptors just like around your cheeks, basically that right as that starts to touch the water, we have a mammalian dive reflex that kicks in. And so it starts to slow down your heart rate. It starts to control your breathing. Um, There's a lot of effects that happen, this short-term mammalian dive reflex that happens, the biggest being just the calming, the slowing of your heart rate. um, That I think once you unlock that, you know, free diving just, it it becomes easier, um, but you just know that, oh man, yeah, right as my face touches the water, I'm gonna be calm.
0: so, yeah. That's I, interesting. I've strayed
1: a lot, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, are you ready to dive even deeper? Let's go, yeah, yeah, I think we're just
1: getting below.
0: <laughs> just getting below the so surface. We're about 50 feet now and we're going to dive mm-hmm. even deeper. <laughs> so, we talked about it before. The I think one of the reasons why you're the person you are today was also because you had a let's call it not the easiest childhood you became sick when you were how old
1: 12
0: 12 yeah Mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about that story i know it's a rapid change in topic Um,
1: (laughs) like you said it definitely has like made me who i am today yeah um but yeah when i was 12 um i started having really bad stomach cramps and they lasted for almost a week and i went to see lots of different doctors and Lots of different appointments and scans and all kinds of kinds of things, trying to figure out what um, what the stomach pain like where the stomach pain was coming from. Um, so finally, we landed with some certain tests and with a doctor, um, and they saw that my intestines had collapsed on themselves like a telescope. How a telescope? If you fold a telescope, it folds in on itself mm. like five or six times. So one of my intestines did that. So they were like, "Oh, clearly this is what's causing this pain." Um, so I remember. Getting put under for surgery, um, thinking it was, you know, just like a kind of a minor, easy fix. Um, And then I remember waking up and just a few days later, um, the doctors and my parents telling me that during surgery they saw that I had a tumor. um, Mm. So I had cancer. (laughs) Um, And that I was going to have to be in the hospital now for the next six months. You know, I was going to lose my hair and I was going to get super weak and I was going to have to go through chemo. And I wasn't able to play football that year and, um, wasn't able to participate in school like in a normal manner. And so, yeah, from what I thought was just a simple fix, definitely, you know, waking up and then being told that, oh yeah, my life was definitely about to change. Um, so I was super blessed and very fortunate going through chemotherapy um, I stayed relatively healthy the entire time, which, again, is a huge blessing. Um, I juiced a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone out there, juicing is great. I do really <laughs> think that that helped, um, helped me a lot, um, just juicing every morning. But, yeah, I lost my hair. I got super weak. Um, I, was, I would basically stay in the hospital for one week, hooked up to an IV machine. So if I wanted to walk around or use the bathroom, like I had to grab my little... Mm-hmm cart and mm-hmm. carry it with me and um so for the week i'd stay in the hospital and then i'd go home for usually just a few days have some time to rest recover and then i'd go back and they'd plug me back in to have more chemo um and six months went by i was totally healthy afterwards since then i would do some tests every i think now i'm like at every five years we're all going and they'll test again just to check my body and make sure basically that that specific cancer hasn't come back. And then they can do some other checks. Um, so that was definitely like a huge life event. And I think things that I don't remember even how deep we dove into it the last time. Um, but I think the really big thing that changed me or stood out to me during my time when I had cancer, um, there were some poetic moments. The very first night that I ever got, um, administered, I was roommates with, um, I, his name was Brandon. I was roommates with Brandon Brandon was about 10 years older than me, maybe more, maybe even 15. I know he was probably closer to his thirties and we even had one specific nurse, one, an older, an older nurse. Um, she was really cool. And so he and I, we were paired in the same room. This was even, yeah, years ago in <laughs> these nice hospitals, you had to share rooms with people. Um, and I don't remember the, the, the room number or, you know, some of the super small details, but my very first night ever staying in the hospital with cancer, I was with Brandon. Um, and it was just very poetic because you flash forward six months and my very last night, I was in the same room with the same mm. nurse with my same roommate, Brandon. <laughs> and throughout that time, he and I got really close. Um, we shared rooms a couple times. Um, sometimes we wouldn't be as fortunate and I'd have to share a room with like a two-year-old baby or something and parents weren't always able to be around and then you'd have a kid just crying all night and it was, it was so sad, um, just to see kind of some of these things. But Brandon and I, we would always play video games together or watch movies or just talk because what else do you do when you're Mm -hmm. having something just slowly dripped into your body all day, (laughs) all week, um, And yeah, so the really big thing that changed in my life, I was young, right? I was 12 and Brandon was at the time, obviously way more successful than me, right? He had finished college and he was dating a girl and he had a solid career, you know, set up in front of him, but he got cancer and that very much impacted his life. He was in the hospital before me and he ended up staying in the hospital after me. Um, And there was a time that it looked like he was getting healthy, um, which was a huge blessing because he had been in the hospital for a long time. Um, and so he got healthy enough and him and his girlfriend at the time, they loved each other. They knew that they wanted to kind of commit to each other. So they, um, they got married. Um, they had a whole ceremony and everything, but Brandon, he was still sick. Um, he still like, didn't have his hair back. He was very weak. And I just, I remember going to the wedding and this was maybe a year later. So I had I had recovered fully. A year later, I went to his wedding and watching him even just walk down the aisle, there was a point where he made it close to the end of the aisle and he stumbled and he fell because his body was still so weak. Um, but he married the girl of his dreams, right? And he, he like, he just, he went for everything in life, even at, like, the sickest moment or something uh, in, his, in his own life. He still went for that goal, right, of marrying the girl. Um, and then it was a few months after they had gotten married, he went back into the hospital and his body just became so weak that Brandon ended up passing away. Mm. And I know that I was 13 or 14 at the time. And I think just Brandon's story had a huge impact on me. And I think my big message, and I think the thing that I try to just show in my life is I don't ever want to take things for granted. And Mm. I think a lot of people take health for granted. And I think, man, if you even just have a stuffy nose or a headache, you feel so down and like in the trash and stuff. And it's like, man, you should always, we should always be taking for granted. uh, We should always be appreciating the times that we do feel a hundred percent because when we just feel 99%, it is a huge, Mm -hmm. it's a huge ordeal, right? We just, we feel so shitty even at 99% sometimes. Um, So yeah, I mean... I just saw Brandon's life and saw that he always, he was going for these things. And I even saw it as like, wow, like I was blessed because I'm still here, but you know, Brandon didn't make it. And like, why, why is that? And I don't want to spoil this gift that I've been given. And I just, I do try to like tell that to other people of like, if you are healthy, I mean, you could even have, I don't know, a messed up arm or a messed up leg, but the fact that your mind still works and that you can still do things, that is a lot more sometimes than what other people maybe have. Um, And so for me, it was definitely just like (sighs) that living free (laughs) of, Mm. you know, what can I do? How can I inspire other people? And really nothing should hold me back because I have just such this gift which is like a healthy body. And I think that so many other people have that as well and they squander it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think they don't realize maybe how blessed they are.
0: Yeah, very true. I think we always take things for granted until we don't have them anymore. Mm. And by starting to see... And to feel grateful for this body, for this life, for this experience, for the lessons, for everything that makes us feel alive and be here is a huge, huge step to have a happy life, right? Mm. It always starts with being grateful for what you already have. And I think I remember the story. Is it the line on your arm, one of this?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple tattoos along my forearms um, and one of them or, well, I have five <laughs> black lines that run around my forearms, and one of them um, is to remember Brandon, who mm. had passed away. So the lines are to represent those who have passed away, and I learned just many lessons from Brandon, and so I, I like that I have mm-hmm. my tattoo where it's visible, and I can like, kind of always be reminded of, of him in that way.
0: So beautiful. And when you go back to the moment... The day in the hospital where you woke up and you just thought it's gonna be like a normal surgery and you heard the words saying from your doctors from your parents that you they found a tumor that you have cancer how what happened in your body in this moment in your mind in your feelings like
1: good question because I wasn't gonna go into this um, <laughs> because it's something that honestly like I can't explain um, because the way. That And it's funny because it took years of having this conversation with my dad, actually, and he was like, Josh, that never happened. (laughs) So for years and years and years, I believed what I thought happened. And so for me, when I woke up, I remember waking up in the middle of like the hospital hallway because my room wasn't ready or something, right? I was very groggy, I had just come out of surgery. And I leaned over or I I rolled over and I see my parents and they were sitting on a bench next to me and they were both crying. And I was like freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh, I just came out of surgery. You know, why are they crying? I was like, oh guys, like is something wrong? My parents looked at me and, you know, really sad, but they were just like, hey, you know, Josh, you, the doctors, they saw that you have a tumor and you have cancer. And I never thought it was weird that they told me right away, right? But like, why would you ever tell some kid who's just coming out of surgery and he's all out of it? So I remember I went back to sleep because I was still, you know, just totally high on drugs I, just after surgery. And then I when I woke up later, um, the doctor, my parents, they never they never told me, like, when I fully came out of the surgery. It wasn't until three or four days later that they came in and they told oh, wow. me. And the thing that I didn't realize that my dad told me is that my parents never told me in the hallway when they were crying. Like that never happened. That I made that up or something. Wow. <laughs> um, but for five days, or at least it was, a, it was a few days, I just, I knew and I believed that I had cancer and this is what was gonna happen and I was just gonna have to go through this. So when the doctors actually came in and told me, and with my parents standing there for the first time, actually for the first time in real life, I was kind of emotionless because I just... I knew what was about to happen. I had already been told. Um, So... And yeah, it was funny because just my parents always said, they were like, yeah, Josh, you just, you stayed so blank. Like you didn't really show any emotions. <laughs> I think they said that the most emotion I showed was when they said that I was going to lose my hair. For some reason to me, that was...
0: <laughs> yeah, you have long hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: now I have long hair and the plan is to donate it. But I really appreciate my hair now. Uh, but that was really what like tripped me up. Was like, oh my gosh, I am going to lose my hair. Um, but yeah, I was super just kind of calm, just knowing what was going on with my body
0: and do you know why you knew
1: <laughs> no i can't explain that uh, not wow. at all and, and like i said for years and years it, it was really only it was before i moved to hawaii it was six or seven years ago that i had this conversation with my dad <laughs> wow. that he told me he was like josh you've been wrong this entire <laughs> time so yeah
0: wow that's so crazy that's so beautiful so somehow you knew yeah And did you know you're going to make it or did you have this fear of dying or like, how was this whole process for you being, for being sick at such a young age?
1: I know I never had a fear of dying. Um, and I mean, one, because I was also fortunate just with the type of cancer that I had is very, very rare, but also very curable. Um, there's some, you know, long lasting effects that, you know, maybe that could have been a thing, but even that, none of those things happened or came true. Um, so there wasn't ever some worry. It was just like, oh boy, this is just a big roadblock now. Like, you know, my whole, I was 12. Yeah. So I am I mean, not that I have many responsibilities being at 12, <laughs> but I was old enough to understand everything. Like I wasn't too young. Um, uh, so it was, it was definitely a big just roadblock in life of Having to buckle down now for the next six months and go through a lot of yeah. crap.
0: But you knew you're going to be healthy and it's going to be all good. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was never worried. I don't think I ever had thoughts of. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's good. And what else did you learn through this massive thing? Like at that age, one thing you shared with Brendan that you appreciate your health much more and you're gra- grateful for your body. But was there something you learned about yourself or why, even why this? cancer happened like Mm. something you know that has shaped you to the person that you are today because of what happened
1: so I mean it's definitely shaped me and I think the big thing that I saw and it was probably through my dad's friends my dad was a he's a firefighter and it was just so cool to see this family of all the different firefighters come around and like make us meals or mow our lawn because my parents didn't have time and so just to see you know I was this little this little 12 year old kid but to see so many people showing love Mm. in my life and I think that they, they really inspired me to even just see like the burden of yeah cooking amazing meals or helping my parents out and so I think the other big thing that I learned was just wanting to try to inspire others in the things that i do
0: Hmm.
1: does that answer the question yeah
0: yeah
1: okay i wasn't sure if it was like why did i get cancer i I mean maybe you don't know some
0: i just heard some people you know they get sick and they in this process they realize why they got sick in the Hmm. first place
1: i think i would say that i think having cancer absolutely shaped my life and changed my life for the better and then if i like had to do it again Obviously, I don't know who I would have been without having cancer, but, like, if I had to do it again, I would probably do it again because it was all things for the better. Mm. It definitely... There was no, like, resentment to something or someone for getting cancer. It all... Everything, it did change my life for the better.
0: Mm. So beautiful. You can see it that way. And not seeing life as something that happens to you, but for you. Mm. Mm. So, what would you like to share with the people who are listening, something that's on your heart, something you really want to put out there and inspire people with? Mm. If there's one thing you could, sh- like, imagine you'd, you would die tomorrow, but there's one thing you want to leave in this world that people should know <laughs> or should, should remember.
1: Um... I think it's almost, like, kind of what we had spoken on earlier when I was talking about, you know, moving to Hawaii. Um, and I just think that, yeah, if there's something that's, like, huge on your heart, something that you want to do in life, and if it's, you know, for me, and it's easy for me to say because I am so passionate about travel and... um just like moving and travel and uh, um, I just remember when it came time for me to really decide if I was going to move to Hawaii or not. And it was clicking, you know, purchase online. That was the scariest thing. Uh, But looking back, you know, I'm so glad that I did it. And so I just, I think the thing that I'd want to tell people or leave people with is just don't be so scared to make that leap of faith. Mm. Things fall into place and You know, if you have good community already and if you move and you're so scared to leave your community, because I think that was even a big thing for me, my life was in Arizona, your community loves you. And if something doesn't work out in Hawaii, Mm. you're always welcome back. And it's, again, it's a cliche thing to say, but it's like, oh, you know, Arizona will always be there for me. And it's true. I still have family and plenty of friends that if something ever did happen in Hawaii that I needed to leave, you know, I always have a, a spot in Arizona. So just knowing that, yeah, maybe if something doesn't work out, because it's maybe it's not right for you. And I think you find that out soon, quickly into maybe a big transition in life, if it's, you know, meant to be or not, that you'll always be able to go back with doors wide open, I guess. And mm. I think you could even attest to that yeah. moving to Morea. Uh, <laughs> you'd never even been here, and you made the transition. And I think, you know, I've only known you now for just a short period of time but to see even the growth that you've had here it's like you know you were you're meant to be here you're definitely meant to spend some time here you have a purpose here
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah i totally resonate with your words and what you said that we cannot allow our fear to hold us back from what we're supposed to mm-hmm. do because inside we all know what we have to do right mm. but we gets so caught up with our doubts and our fear and all the reasons why it could not work or it could be scary that we don't take the leap of faith. Mm. But yeah, that's a, the best message that you just <laughs> share. Like, just just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so
1: many little, like, cliche things to say the whole, oh yeah, YOLO and just do it. and, But there's still truth behind them
0: yeah there's a reason why everyone repeats uh, <laughs>
1: yeah
0: oh thank you so much for this conversation josh for diving deep with me yeah without really knowing each other <laughs> <It's> <laughs> okay. there's one question i ask every podcast guest and i didn't tell you on purpose because it has to come intuitively oh my
1: gosh okay now i'm nervous
0: again <laughs> <laughs> okay so Imagine a younger version of yourself. You can close your eyes. Sometimes there pops up a child. Sometimes there's a teenager. And something you have learned through your journey that you know now, but you didn't know back then that would have helped you. Like, what would you tell your younger self that help, would have helped you during your journey?
1: Hmm. The thing that I would tell a younger Josh is to communicate better mm-hmm. with people. And maybe even like with yourself um and i don't hope that the, i don't take too long in this answer but yeah t- to communicate better with people and let's go back even quickly to the having cancer i felt like i lost a lot of emotions when i had cancer because it was like this big grown-up thing that happened to a 12-year-old boy it kind of felt like and people would say often like oh my gosh like I can only imagine what you're going through and like, Oh, like, I hope you feel okay. And all these things. And I got almost like some hard skin, some thick skin, I think at times because I was like, yeah, like you don't know what I'm going through and like people don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really did close me off for a while. And where I, I just, I wouldn't communicate feelings, Or, yeah, I mean, I think feelings is probably the best because I I wouldn't communicate exactly how I felt because it's just like, what do, what does somebody else care? Like, they don't know what I feel. They don't know what I'm going through. So I would just keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what I would tell younger Josh is to communicate more and better. I think that that's a big lesson that I've been learning
0: are you still learning? The last learning? couple years.
1: Yeah, I'm still learning. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to communi- communicate better. And I mean, absolutely. Because, you know, how you, I think jokingly you said, oh, something you learned with girls. But uh, absolutely, in relationships, to communicate better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's key, I think. And I've definitely... I've communicated poorly. And, mm. you know, no good comes from that.
0: Yeah. But it takes a lot of courage. And it feels so scary if it's not what mm. you're used to. Because... You have to be honest and vulnerable and share your, what we, what society often calls weakness, which is mm. actually a power. If you're vulnerable and authentic, people can connect to you so much deeper. Yeah. Oh, Josh, thank you for this amazing conversation. Yeah. I loved having you here. <laughs> thank you. <Yeah. laughs>
1: this is very inspiring for me. Like I said, to start my own podcast yeah. and to make that leap.
0: When you come back to Morea you would have
1: your podcast. Ah, okay. I like that. That should be the <laughs> the, the goal. Things to be working towards. Yeah. All
0: right. Thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much to you for having me.
0: I hope you loved this episode as much as I did and you feel inspired to take action, to take the leap of faith and yeah, connect with Josh on Instagram and Let us know how it inspired you and what you take out of this conversation. And I'll see you next week. Much love from the other side of the world.